0: Major Lindsay in Africa presents Between the Legal Lines, a podcast focused on leading women lawyers who have pushed beyond the boundaries and found success. Welcome to Between the Legal Lines. My name is Andrea Bricka and I am your host today. This podcast is a series of monthly interviews where we explore how women, who happen to also be both executives and lawyers, navigate the boundaries placed upon them due to their roles and their demographic. These women have found success despite those sometimes very narrowly drawn lines that govern what is acceptable and what is not. And each month we hear a new story from a different woman about what that's like. Joining me today is Virginia Llewellyn. Virginia is currently General Counsel at Goop. Hi, Virginia, and please tell us about who you are and about your current role.
1: Hi, Andrea. Thanks for having me today. I was so happy to be invited. Um, As you mentioned, I'm the General Counsel at Goop, and I never want to take for granted that everyone knows what Goop means or what Goop is. Um, It's the lifestyle company founded by Gwyneth Paltrow, gosh, more than 10 years ago now. And we produce content and products across beauty, wellness, fashion, and home categories. And it's, um, it's a pretty big job. We have a lot going on at the company. And I'm responsible for everything in the legal compliance and people operations
0: functions sounds like a a great role that people would envy having. How did you get to that role?
1: You know, this is one of those stories that it just sort of felt like it was meant to be. Um, I had moved to Los Angeles in 2016, and I was working as general counsel for a beauty brand incubator at that time. And there was about a two-week period in mid-2018 when two different attorneys that I knew here locally mentioned to me that they were doing some work for Goop in a couple of different categories, and that they had learned that Goop was looking for their first general counsel. They both mentioned separately that they thought I would be a good fit for the role and for the team, just given my background. And I thought it was really an interesting coincidence that in a span of about 10 days or two weeks, that two different people mentioned this opportunity to me. So I said I would be interested and I passed on a resume and I think they both passed it on individually. So within a couple of days, Goop's recruiter reached out to me. I had a conversation with the CFO first and then I went in to meet the rest of the management team the following week and then ultimately met with Gwyneth on the Friday of that next week. And they made me an offer that same day. And I so appreciated and was impressed with The fact that they were just so decisive, um, I thought that was a good sign and that we would be a great fit for each other.
0: So on your path to this particular role, how did you get there? What qualified you for this role at Goop? I
1: think the fact that I had been a first general counsel several times before, and I think they appreciated the fact that I would probably be able to hit the ground running in knowing how to come in and set up the legal function internally. Um, Like most companies, they were using um, a handful of outside law firms to manage issues that came along, but they had just grown to the point where they really realized they needed someone with that legal point of view on the inside um, who could help sort of make order out of the chaos. (laughs) So I think that combined with the fact that I I did have uh, beauty and other consumer products in my background uh, made it seem like it would be a good fit.
0: So having been the first general counsel at a number of companies, and I think you've been at other, some other interesting companies, what particular challenges does that pose being the first GC?
1: You know, it's it's funny. I, I never really set out to become a, a serial first general counsel. Um, it just sort of ended up that way. And I, I think I became a little bit addicted to that opportunity to come in and, as I said, create order out of chaos. Um, I've observed that a lot of quickly growing companies typically hire a CFO first, and they tend to think that the CFO is the person that should be responsible for managing outside counsel and managing legal affairs. And there's often an event that triggers the CFO to decide that they need a general counsel, that the company has grown to a point where they can't or don't want to manage um, outside counsel on their own. Sometimes I've seen this as a big litigation, sometimes it's fundraising, but there's usually one big thing that, that tips the scales and provides that opportunity when the first GC is needed. And you know, I would say the greatest challenge initially is that there's often sort of an emergency kind of feeling when you first come in, because there has been a significant event um, that led to the hiring of a GC. So doing some triage initially on whatever that situation is um, that's typically the first priority. And, you know, it's challenging in the beginning, especially because the CEO and the rest of the management team don't know you yet. And it's such an important role, and you have to work really hard to gain their trust as quickly as possible while dealing with something that's really important to the company, whether it is a, a bet the company kind of litigation or maybe a regulatory situation. So, I try to use that situation as a way to get to know as many teams as I can as quickly as possible. Because, you know, in a litigation, you have discovery requests Um, in a deal, you have diligence requests. I, I use those opportunities to sort of go around the company and introduce myself and get to know the teams as quickly as possible and just ask questions about how they're doing things. I think the thing that's really important is demonstrating that you want to learn the business as quickly as possible. And you really want to understand um, what's most important so you can tackle those things first.
0: Has there been any one person that's been particularly helpful in your career as you've moved up in these GC roles and with these different companies?
1: You know, it's, it's interesting. I, I don't, know that I can point to one person professionally um, in a typical sort of mentor kind of capacity um, or otherwise. I think if I had to point to one person honestly, I would probably point back to my mom, um, who was a single mom much of my childhood, and she really pushed me to prioritize education from a very early age. And I don't know exactly how she did it, but she really instilled in me this belief that I could literally do anything I set my mind to. So I just had that, you know, maybe sometimes false sense of being able to tackle anything, but um, she just really raised me to be fearless, which I think has has served me well. And if I had to think of someone in the business context that really probably changed the trajectory for me a little bit, um, it was a woman who was Um, My boss, she was the president of a company I worked for in Seattle, and she encouraged me to take an opportunity to go back and get my executive MBA. And that's not something that a lot of lawyers typically think about doing or, or have a chance to do. And I was so fortunate that she was such a champion for that and for the thought that I could round out my legal education and legal experience with a broader business view Um, She supported me to take time off to complete the program, actually went back and lived in the dorms at Stanford, which was quite an experience, Um, and it's great to have an opportunity to do something that wasn't, I think, the typical lawyer path, and it's really served me well, and I just valued her support so much.
0: So doing that, going back and getting your executive MBA, being the first general counsel at companies, there seemed to be a little bit of risky ventures, right? And lawyers tend to be a little bit risk adverse. How do you think that it played into your career, maybe taking more risks?
1: Yeah, you know, the class I was with in that program, it was interesting because it was a class of people from around the world, and there were probably about 40 of us, and some were executives at big companies, some were entrepreneurs, some were, um, I'm trying to think if there was another lawyer in that class, I don't know that there was, um, but it, it just really opened my mind to the way business people think about business challenges, and You know, after going through law school and obviously starting at a law firm and thinking about things the way lawyers typically do, um, it was really great to expand my point of view and share those experiences with business people in that context. And I do think it enabled me to come back with a little bit broader view of how to address risk and how to address opportunity.
0: So what have you learned about leadership from the COVID crisis. It's an interesting time. What have What have you learned through this? To say
1: it's an interesting time is definitely, definitely the understatement of 2020. I know we're all trying to figure out still how to describe it to one another. Um, you know, I am involved with um, the Women's General Counsel Network, and it's just been really amazing to see that group in particular uh, pull together and demonstrate what leadership needs to be during this crisis, because I think just the nature of the crisis through the general counsel role really into the spotlight really quickly with our CEOs and our our business leaders saying, you know, all of this is happening. What are we supposed to do? How do we handle the new legislation? How do we handle our office space or our retail space? And how do we treat our employees during these times? It just, It thrust us into having to make decisions very quickly and give advice very quickly and doing it all at the exact moment that we were learning about this legislation. It felt like almost every day back in March and April. So it has been a really um, interesting and in some ways exhilarating time to be a general counsel as, as much as the whole situation obviously is horrible. I think I've learned... It's also really important to listen as a leader, to just listen to the people around you because our typical ways of leading teams have had to evolve so greatly in the last 4 or 5 months and we have different people reacting to all of this in different ways. So, you know, if we all had certain expectations in the pre-COVID world that we were all in the office together or that we all sort of worked a sort a core set of hours or In similar surroundings, that's all been turned on its head in the last few months. And we find ourselves with team members that might have children at home that they're trying to homeschool, or people who might have a roommate and they're in a small space and have a hard time finding privacy for confidential conversations. I think we've just had to be willing to really listen to people on our teams and understand their individual circumstances and how they're trying to respond to this. And we have to be flexible and understand that what we thought you know, a typical work schedule looked like um, just isn't the norm anymore. So I think we have to be really intentional right now about how we're leading and communicating probably more frequently and more explicitly than we might normally to make up for that gap in what usually gets communicated in a more traditional work schedule or workplace. So I think there's just... There's no room to be lazy about it right now. I think we have to be really intentional about how we're leading our teams.
0: You touched on it um, with the role the GC is playing during this crisis. What do you think that means for the GC's role going forward and the visibility and the importance of that role for a company?
1: You know, I hope that it has increased awareness for those companies that maybe didn't already know that the GC should be seen as that kind of trusted advisor that could be looked to to help provide sound advice on any topic, not just explicitly legal topics. I think, um, you know, for those of us who are willing to be the thought leaders and sort of thrust ourselves forward in our organizations and say, you know, hey, everyone, here's what's happening in the world. And this is how it really impacts our business. And here's my recommendation for how we should be thinking about it. I think it's a great opportunity for lawyers who are willing to to put themselves in that spotlight to say, this is a chance for not just the GC, but everyone in the legal department to shine and to show how they can really support the business in difficult
0: circumstances. So what, if anything, do you wish that you were freer to say or do at work? And if there is those kind of situations, why can't you be freer?
1: I think that sometimes the most difficult part about being GC is that you have to opt out of some of the things that happen in the business. And You might have to opt out of some conversations just to keep yourself in the right place. Sometimes you even have to opt out on some of the fun, unfortunately. Um, It's really important to me that I can always remain Switzerland, uh, that I don't involve myself in situations that I might have to then deal with later. Um, I want to be able to always give an unbiased opinion or recommendation in any situation. So it sometimes means that I have to bow out of, situations or water, cool, water cooler conversation. Um, and even back in the days when we actually had things like happy hours, I always really set um, parameters for myself where I would go, I'd like to have fun and enjoy the team and everybody, but I think it's a good idea for the GC to be a little bit separate from that and, and to let people know that they can have fun and there aren't uh, people around who might be, Um, putting a a damper on that fun, You know, I I even have a rule for myself that I won't let anyone I currently work with follow me on Instagram and um, everybody gives me a bad time about it. But I prefer to be able to maintain a little bit of distance from my private life. And I think that's healthy, but it is really difficult sometimes because I like and enjoy the people I work with. I like to have fun, but I think that the role of general counsel benefits from having a a little bit of distance in that respect. So I guess I, I wish sometimes that I could take that hat off and, and just be one of the gang. But the reality is I don't think you can take that hat off.
0: As a woman leader and woman executive, what do you think has been stronger restraints you place on yourself or restrictions placed on you by other people?
1: I think probably the restraints I place on myself, like my Instagram rule that I just described. (laughs) You know, I I have to say, and I I absolutely recognize that this is not necessarily a common experience, but as a woman lawyer and as a woman lawyer who moved in-house pretty early in my career, I don't feel that I've ever really had restraints placed on me. And maybe it goes back to that sense of fearlessness that my mom somehow gave to me at a young age and maybe there have been restraints and I just didn't recognize them and plowed through anyway. Um, but I'm, I'm grateful to say um, that they, I haven't really felt a lot of restrictions and I just sort of set my sights on what I wanted to do and started doing it.
0: So data continues to show that there is still a gender pay gap for most legal roles, particularly the GC role. Do you have any thoughts on how we can close that gap going forward and almost as important how we can get more women into the GC seat?
1: In terms of the pay gap, I do think that many women still have a problem asking for what they think they deserve. I know that I've even been in situations where I've noticed it in myself, and I had to really take a deep breath and remind myself that I've put in the hard work and I've earned the right to ask for what I deserve at this point. But I honestly still to this day sometimes struggle with wanting to be sure that I'm polite in the way I ask or that I don't seem greedy. And I don't think most men ever consider those aspects of communication when they're asking for what they want. So. I do think that we have to be really aware that as women, we still tend to have those, those thoughts that I think oftentimes are just, you know, we're sort of self-perpetuating those ideas and we need to just be strong together and encourage each other. And if we've put in the time and the work and we have the skills and experience, we should not be afraid to ask for what we want. And there is a lot of great data out there. There are numerous benchmarking studies that are done every year. And I always try to collect that data as it comes out and, and make sure that I go back and review it. And you have to be armed with the facts if you're asking for something. So I think data plus confidence is really helpful there. And in terms of getting more women into the GC seat, I think we have an obligation to tell our outside council that we want women not just to staff our work, but to receive origination credit from the work when the situations occur where they're the ones who keep us coming back. Um, I also feel a responsibility at this point in my career to mentor other women who have the goal of sitting in a GC seat at some point. For example, I have two women lawyers on my team right now, and we have regularly scheduled sessions that we call GC University, And typically, what we do is they pick a topic that they're interested in or a topic they've observed as being important to the GC role, and we talk through it. We talk about what it means to sit in that seat, different angles that need to be considered. Sometimes it's a substantive topic like employment or IP, and other times it's more practical like how do you manage board relationships? How do you manage investors? Um, I just think that those of us who are in the seat have an obligation to really intentionally bring others along.
0: I think that's a great way to approach it. And I'd worked with a GC one time that he said, you know, his greatest legacy was the number of people he trained up that became GC, either taking over for him when he left or going on to other companies. And I think women doing that for other women, is, you're right, is, is a way to get more people in that seat. And then something else you mentioned with regard to outside counsel. How has outside counsel responded to those requests?
1: You know, they've responded well. I think that there is absolutely an understanding that companies are demanding more diversity in how their matters are staffed. And, you know, it's funny when I, I use the word diversity in relation to talking about having women staffing my matters it just it seems crazy to me that we would be referring to a woman as a diverse consideration for the work it seems like it should just be um but i mean i've i've had great luck and honestly if i had an outside counsel who wasn't responsive to that request they wouldn't be my outside counsel for much longer
0: that makes sense well, in conclusion, what advice would you offer to other ambitious women about workplace behavior in general?
1: You know, it's it's really simple in my mind at this point. And this is definitely something I think that comes with, with experience and just time spent in the workplace. But it is so simple in my mind at this point. You just always have to do the right thing. And... What I mean by that is there are times when we're all faced with difficult decisions, whether you're a general counsel or you're a staff lawyer or you're really in any role. And sometimes there's a decision that you have to make at the workplace and one path might be easier, one decision might be more popular or less challenging in the moment. But I think we always know when there's a right decision and a not so right or even a wrong decision. And you'll just never regret if you always err on the side of just doing the right thing in difficult circumstances. And I've had people ask me how I manage the stress of being the general counsel at a pretty high profile company that does some controversial things from time to time. And the reality is I sleep really well at night and I take great comfort in knowing that I always do the best I can for the company and that you just can't compromise your integrity. You have to make decisions based on doing the right thing. And no matter how ambitious you are or how far forward you want to take your career, if you always know that you've asked yourself that question, is this the right thing, and you err on the right side of that line, I think that you'll never go wrong.
0: Virginia, thank you so much. This has been Between the Legal Lines. You have just heard from Virginia Llewellyn, General Counsel at Goop. I am Andrea Bricka from Major Lindsay in Africa. Thank you for listening. Join us next month for a new story from another woman successfully operating between the legal lines. If you have a story you would like to share, please contact me at abrica at mlaglobal.com. Thank you for listening discover how Major Lindsay in Africa can help you navigate the legal landscape at www.mlaglobal.com.